Welcome to the Triple M's Dead Set Legends podcast for Sportsbet. Follow your multi the easy way with Sportsbet's AFL Same Game Multi Tracker. Conditions apply. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. For your Saturday morning, we've got the biggest sports show in town. Let's go, go, go! Triple M's Dead Set Legends. I'm legendary. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lockman, Lima. What a legend. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Yes, a very good morning to you, Melbourne. A stunning day outside by the looks of things. Welcome to Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joey, Jay, Kath and Lemo. We are missing magnificent Kath Lockman this morning as she takes a little uh, break. But hello to you, Lemo. Uh, hello, team. Lovely to be here. And now I have to leave a little bit early today because uh, mm-hmm. I've got to get to the airport. Yeah. I'm flying to England, uh, making myself available for the fifth test <laughs> yeah. over there, and I think I'm half a chance. It's got that desperate, you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it it's has. It's got Australia up in arms, hasn't it? How yes. are we playing? We've turned. Oh, oh. We've turned quick. <laughs> <We have laughs> Where's turned. the Australian spirit gone? Yes. All of a sudden, we're just bowling little short balls and hoping they yes. sky one in the air yep. and someone catches it on the boundary line. Isn't yeah. it funny, Joey, you only have to go back to the Alex Carey stumping at the Lord's Test. As a country, mm. we were so united, weren't we? Yeah. Everyone was together, stuffed the palms, yep. we're all in this together. And, gee, we have turned on a dime. Perfect we? Pat's become one of the oh. most – everyone's after perfect Pat. Yes. Like, yes. Gee whiz. The tea was very good. I think when he saved us in the first test with that half century, yes. he was our favourite at the mm. moment. His tactics have been questioned. Hey, uh, have you got – just a quick question. We've got a yeah. massive show today. Have you guys jo- joined the, the uh, scooter, the e-scooter craze? Oh, I'm, have you, have you done the scooter thing? Mate, I've been on the e-scooters for yeah. ages. You know one of my favourite things? Yep. And I get that this is probably illegal, but I love doing it. <laughs> When I leave, throwing, I, it, throwing it into the arrow after using <laughs> standard procedure. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I always hide two, so I can throw one in the arrow and ride the other one. Well, leaving the MCG, it's yeah. hard. Everyone knows it's hard leaving the G, right? Yes. When I've got my son with me, mm. we just the two of us jump on a scooter yep. and just scoot off home to Fitzroy, mm. and it's just, and he loves it, and I it's just yeah. a joy. Yeah. But I'm big on the scooters. Yeah. Love. I've stayed away. I've never done it. I've thought about it a million times. Yep. Every time I go past it, two things. One, I think it's probably too difficult to set up. I don't even know. And mm. then secondly, I'm worried about falling off it. Yeah. I've been that person that hits the gun. Ah. Goes, boom. Uh, <laughs> it's not hard. You got an app on your phone. You just sort of scan yeah. it, jump on, and yeah. then you, you got a little throttle there. You just Use that to you. I'm flying around like Mary Poppins on these yeah. things. Yeah. So <laughs> so good. I am whizzing so and wazzing around the uh, city, which is fantastic. They've got a great development, more significant than the tram. Uh, do you go? <laughs> it's a big call. That is a big call. Do you go on the road or on the pavement? Uh, and you're meant to go on the road. Correct. I tried when I've got the young fella on. I try and stick to the pavement. Yeah, um, yeah. you are only allowed one person on. On the scooter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, figured that. I, I figured that was the case, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're having fun. There's Breaking big, all these laws. Yeah, there is a big sticker on that, I think, on the front. Well, i tell you what, a nice start. And uh, maybe some more scooter news coming up later. We have a fantastic show coming up. We're going to be speaking cricket with Kel Ferguson, the uh, superstar Simon Black from the Brisbane Lions. Huge game today, Geelong versus Brisbane. Now, what about this marvellous woman, uh, Joe? We know she shines in the racing stakes. Uh, we dominated the AFL for uh, many years there, of course, on uh, Triple M. And now she's starring on our screens covering uh, the Women's World Cup, of course, with Channel 7 and just doing an unbelievable job all the time. Good morning to you, Emma Friedman. Oh, I need to speak to you every Saturday morning, Jay, to get that pump up. That's exactly what I need this morning. Hello, guys. I miss you all. Oh, we miss you more. There's no doubt about that. Hey, doing such a great job, the Women's World Cup, and started with a bang. Massive story about Sam Kerr, but even without her, we got the job uh, done in the clash over Ireland, one one nil. But it wasn't without some tense moments late as the oh. Irish really came back. I mean, we were right under the pump there, Emma. Absolutely, Jay. So when in that last 10 minutes of that second half, I'd actually exited the stadium because I had to go do um, box pops with fans, you know, assuming that we had won with Mm. that Steph Catley penalty. And all we could hear were these massive roars down that end of the ground Mm. where um, they they were headed during that half. And my cameraman and I were starting to fret going, oh, my God, if they – have Ireland scored? So we started streaming it on the phone to, to watch it again. But, yeah, it was amazing how they came back and fought back with such aggression and stuff, such toughness as well um, late in that second half. But, yeah, I, I think 
A lot of people did expect that game against Ireland to be a tense one. Ireland playing their first ever Women's World Cup. They were always going to come out with a bang and put everything on the line. And they showed some real aggression, I thought, throughout the entire game as well. But our girls, they settled their nerves once they were probably halfway through that first half. They settled their nerves. And as you mentioned as well, the omission of Sam Kerr, well, it did send shockwaves around Stadium Australia. People could not believe that she wouldn't play in that game, but also the next game against Nigeria. It was great to see that they subbed in uh, that young girl, that young talent, Mary Fowler, um, into the game. And she's going to be a huge talent going forward. She's the one to watch for the Matildas in the next four, five, six years. Um, And as I said, also that Steph Catley penalty. I think everyone had their hearts in their mouths. They had so many opportunities to score in that first half. And when they finally got that penalty, there was a sigh of relief going, okay, at least we're on the board now. What will be, what will we? But um, the three point. I've got Jason Richardson Seriously, harassing me. Jo, you used to call me for this. Now you're out there, I can't believe it. <laughs> hey, uh, Emma, Go tell away. Richard to get stuffed from all okay. of us. Go by away. the way, hey, uh, Emma, there was a bit of spite in this game though. There was yeah. hand handshake gate after the game where one of the Irish players went to shake uh, Caitlin Ford's hand and then pulled her hand away. Yeah, in so, the moment, what's going on there? I don't know exactly, but I think we're all reading between the lines, and that there might be, you know, there's a bit of relationship stuff happening maybe between um, the two teams in terms of uh, the captain of Ireland, Katie McCabe, used to go out with that player, and she's just recently oh. been on holidays with Caitlin Ford. Um, oh. I think they went to Ibiza, so right. there, there might be a little bit more to it. Okay. okay. Just reading between the lines. Right. <laughs> and, okay. and uh, Emma, we've got the, the first game out of the way. That's always the nervous one. That's where the anxiety's at its highest. Didn't play great, but we still got the three points. And then we look ahead to Nigeria on Thursday, who just had a nil-all draw against Canada. So that's a bit surprising. We thought Nigeria a bit more flair, but uh, hopefully the girls settle into this second game. Yeah, it's great that we've got the three points, Joey, and that there was a draw because it means that Canada – and Nigeria are just on the one point after the first game. So we face them on Thursday night in Brisbane. You'd expect both teams to improve on their first game performance, I think. Um, so that's a tough one. And then Canada on the Monday afterwards in Melbourne. You know, it is a group of death. It's a really tough group. Even though Ireland were only playing in their first World Cup match ever, You, as I said before, you knew they were going to come out and really fight super hard. And then the other two, they're proven performers. So it is going to be difficult. You hear that Sam Kerr won't play against Nigeria and you do have your fingers crossed that she'll play against Canada. But oh, I don't know. What do you guys think? You think she'll be right to play? Well, we even, don't know the ins and outs even of the injury. If, even but... if she doesn't, Emma, it'll be still okay because we just get through to the next stage and then she can come and be fully fit. That's what I'd maybe... I'd wait to see what the result is against Nigeria mm. and then make a yeah. calculated decision and maybe think a bit more a long-term to make sure she's fully fit. What an extraordinary... You're so right. Sorry. If you played, if, if you won the game against Nigeria, you got six points. You're heading through because you're finishing the top two of the group. And then oh, you're probably right, Joe. You'd rest her and then bring her back for a round of 16. Yep. It must be so heartbreaking for her, oh, for Sam Kerr. I mean, she would just have such pressure and expectation and hope coming into the home World Cup mm. and then to tweak the calf 24 hours out from the World Cup. Just an incredible storyline. Is there a fairy tale in it? Imagine if she come back in that sort of the second half of the tournament and led us to a victory or certainly very deep. It would be absolutely incredible. Now, Emma, I think Joey still talks about your spring from a couple of years ago when you absolutely filled up all of our uh, pockets. I think he's still got some left over, to be honest. <laughs> no, spent that, no, that's all gone. That's Give it to gone. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. interest rates at the moment. And then, of course, you do a great job for... Um, still on the phone. Go away. Channel 7, <laughs> of course, the coverage. Do you, want to t- do you want to talk racing with him? He's really upset that you're not chatting to him. Just oh. tell him what's his best bet of the day. Ask Richo what his best, best bet is for hey, us. Hang on. Here, he's being a pest. Here he is. <laughs> Best bit of the day is don't hang out with Joey Montagna. <laughs> oh, he's our second choice caller, Richo. Hey, can you put us back onto the first choice, please? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Don't worry. He's just getting his makeup done, which will take the next 90 minutes because he's right. horrific. So. <laughs> it's a hell of a job. We've got the council in for that one, I think, Jay. Have you got a winner for us, Emma? Let's just take a look at the Bletchingley today, which is the feature at Caulfield, which I know you guys will get around. So there's a really interesting horse coming up from Tasmania called Alpine Wolf, who's been um, on a bit of a hot streak of late. Um, so he's, I reckon he'll be starting about 12, 
$12 maybe. I reckon there's an each-way plate there, but I reckon James Cummings is in for a massive day with Kin. He's special filly at this time of year. She's going around earlier in the card at Caulfield, but ingratiating, I think, will be hard to beat in the Bletchingly today. Oh, I like it, Emma. We miss you, of course. We'll be able to watch you, of course, on the, the Channel 7 coverage live from midday on 7.2 and 7+, plus for all your racing. And, of course, the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 continues live and free on 7 and 7+. plus. Canada versus Ireland, 9 o'clock on Wednesday, and then Australia versus Nigeria at 7 o'clock on Thursday, July 27. We will be watching, cheering for the Matildas, and uh, enjoying seeing you absolutely Sean for Channel 7. Emma Friedman, thanks so much for joining us. Look at Jay in the hosting chair. Just absolutely <laughs> fine, aren't you? Well, you, you, uh, you taught me everything, Emma. You guided <laughs> me, you educated me, and I appreciate uh, that Love right. Love you, miss you. <laughs> thanks, Emma. Emma. Emma Friedman, of course, we've got to get stuck into the Friday night footy. Joey, the Bulldogs taught the Bombers a lesson last night at Marvel. Marvel's a right football forward. Riley West outside. Oh, you can hang it. Not paid, doesn't matter. Waitman. That's exciting footy from the dog. Bonapelli, outstanding little sidestep and then launches a shot at goal. Touch of genius from Marcus Bonapelli. He's Baker from the pocket. This would be something special. Oh, Oscar Baker. Tongue out. Siren. The dogs with a 10th win of the season. Convincingly in the end, 41 point winners over the Bombers. Yeah, big step towards the top eight for the Western Bulldogs. 41-point winners over Essen. It did look a little bit flat and tight, it must be said. Their top eight threat, uh, hopes now hanging by a thread, it's fair to say, for Brad Scott's crew. It was annihilation, Joey, in the midfield. We talk a lot about Marcus Bonson Pally, but what about Tommy Liberatore with 36 possessions? We often talk about the star on ballers, Patrick Cripps, Patrick Dangerfield. We talk enough about how good a footballer Tom Liberatore is. Oh, it was uh, Batman and Robin, wasn't it? Liber and Bont. How many times have we said that about the Western Bulldogs? They were both sensational. Look, I think Liber, uh, I think he does in the football circles, gets his his plaudits. Like he, what he does is so important to that team. Mm-hmm. He's, he does, he's not as flashy as the others, mm-hmm. but his work in and under to shovel the ball out to his other mids was sensational. And Bont was just, he stood out. He was head and shoulders the best player on that ground. He was classes above. Hits the scoreboard. He does everything. He's leading his team beautifully. Sometimes he just needs more players to jump on board. But mm-hmm. last night, they were terrific. Too tough. Too good around the contest. Essendon just didn't have any answers for them. And probably where we thought, you know, the Bulldogs are a better team at this stage yep. uh, than Essendon. And, and we found that out. And the Bulldogs, so where do you see the Bulldogs going into September, Joe? Are they going to cause issues or are they still a bit behind that top it, half of the eight? They're probably behind because of their inconsistency. Yep. Like they're yeah. a good team, but we haven't seen them often enough be able to just string it together. Now they're capable, but we always mm. say that. And they're also capable of losing games that they shouldn't. So I think they are where they are. They're, they're a top eight team, but they're not the top four at the moment. They're not playing with that same consistency and and high level as the others, but they are they are a scary proposition, although we haven't seen the best of them this year. Can the planets align for them? Rory Lobb's still out of the team. I find that interesting. Luke Beveridge opted for Buku Kamas uh, last night. But what about, we've been in, in a tears, it's fair to say, about Bailey Smith. Again, spent a fair bit of time on that um, on a half-forward flank, trying to disrupt Essendon's intercept game. Rolled his sleeves up, applied the tackles, got a big pump up from his coach in the press conference afterwards. How are we uh, surveying the Bailey Smith yeah, role? Yeah, he was, he was invested. He played really well. His pressure was good. His running's elite, which it always is. I still think half forward's his best spot. And yeah. I know there's noise that he wants to play in the midfield and all those sorts of things. But, you know, as we just spoke about, Bont, Libba, Trelaw's in really good form. He is. You know, you've got to yep. get McRae and Daniel through there at stages as well. And Bailey Smith will get his chance. But when he gets up the ground and runs back hard like he did last night, him and Waitman, it makes a difference. So they look a better side. They look more dangerous and... They had that going last night. I really like the way they moved the ball from the back half. Flip side of the coin, the Bombers. Are they running out of uh, petrol? They got hammered in the midfield. Scotty said uh, last night he thought they looked a bit tired or fatigued. Some of their young midfielders didn't have the impact. Um, they really struggled to convert up forward. Well, they kicked 49 points um, for the game. It really looks like they're going to limp to the line a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it is. It is. And now they're outside the eight. They'll probably finish the round almost in 11th spot, I think, with the way some other results will fall. It is the toughest time of the year. You know, you had the bye. Everyone comes back fresh. And then that sort of period, round 17 to 20, can get really hard, especially for some young players. So they look like they're struggling a bit. Players that are out of form, Jake Stringer, I know the coach has said that he's carrying some sort of injury, but then also said a lot of players 
are mm. carrying injury. Marcus Bonsapelli had a calf injury going into the game, didn't stop him. So Stringer's not getting it done. Wiedemann, they drop. So there's a lot of reliance at the moment on Peter Wright and Kyle Langford. They're just struggling to score. Their ball movement was quite you know slow and wide, and uh, they're just getting struggling at the moment. And Essendon, Essendon's problems run pretty deep as well. I'm um, reading in the Herald Sun this morning that they were missing a spin bike on the sidelines. Oh, no. So Matt Guelphie <laughs> had a corky, and he wanted to get on a spin bike. They didn't have one. They couldn't find one. So they went to the Bulldogs and said, can he use your bike? And the Bulldogs said, you can go and get stuff. Yeah, He's not using yeah. our bike. Oh. So he had to just sit there and massage his well, uh, corky. There's the logistics manager or the property steward <laughs> yeah. or whoever's in charge of that will be in strife this morning from Bevo. <laughs> Someone is as flat yeah, as a biscuit, yes. aren't they? Just look ahead. We like to look ahead. Essendon's run over the next few weeks, of course. they got Sydney next at Marvel. That won't be easy. Then they've got the two games against the Cellar Dwellers. So West Coast, you think they get the points there, Essendon? and then they should beat North Melbourne, who are really battling. GWS will be tough, and then it comes down to that Collingwood round uh, 24, which will be... Well, the Sydney game next week's the massive one. So yep. if they win that, yes, they absolutely are still in the finals race. I mean, yep. it's going to be tight, but they have to win that and yep. then win their next two. If they lose to Sydney, well, then maybe it does become too hard for them. It's not their year. I know Essendon fans are desperate, and we did think only a few weeks ago this might be the year. The way they played against Port Adelaide and, and Adelaide, they played some sensational footy. Just haven't been able to sustain it. And the selection poser for the Bulldogs, this will be a story. Does Rory Lobb get back in? Do they go back to Sam Darcy? I know he's got an injury at the moment. Do you see Rory Lobb forcing his way back into that team? Um, he's hit and miss throughout the yeah. first you know, half of the Probably. season. Probably. Oh, I would think they would go back to Rory Lobb at some stage. Buku Karmas didn't get, didn't get it done last night. He was getting well and truly beaten in the ruck. Yep. Didn't provide much. So I think it's out of Lobb and Sam Darcy. Yep. I think we'll see Rory Lobb back at some stage. Yep. Did you notice, Lemo, the tit-for-tat this week between Nick Rewell, Lee Montagna's great mate, yes. and Brett Ratton? There's sort oh, of the... It was on, wasn't what's it? What's going on? What's oh, happening at St oh, Kilda? Fiery. It was, <laughs> it was kicking off, wasn't it? It's one of the biggest spats I've ever seen. Oh, was it? That was like right up there. We need to get uh, to that. And also the words Ken Hinckley said uh, after Braden Maynard's pump-up uh, last week. We're going to get into that rivalry. I like it. More coming up next on Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Sport is full of legends. And so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. On Melbourne's 105.1, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Certainly another big week in the footy world, of course, and it got nice and spicy and fiery this week. I liked it because Collingwood's Braden Maynard, the tough man of the Magpies unit after their smashing win over Fremantle last week, Lamo, he said after the game that we're in great form, the Pies, and that uh, Port Adelaide is going to have to bring their best to uh, to beat us. Just dangled a nice little carrot. And now I love that. Yep. And I like it when things get a little bit spicy. Yes. My only issue with what he said yes. is that Collingwood are top of the ladder. Yes. And it's normally underdog stuff. It's normally the underdog that brings the fire to yes. these t- types of arrangements. Yes. And it feels like, well, you are, you're on top. You're on top of the ladder by two games. Of course you're. Well, this is why we don't really do it in Australia, because as soon as someone says the slightest thing and all he said was, we're on top for a reason, they better bring their A game. It's turned into this whole big showdown. Port Adelaide coach Ken Inkley, this was his fiery response to Maynard's little barb. We're playing the best team in the competition by their admission. They are the best team in the competition. They've they've said that themselves publicly. Um, You know, July's a good time to be ranked one. They're very clear on their description of themselves, Collingwood, and they, they rightly own that description. We oh. wish them all the best. We just hope we beat them. <laughs> that is magnificent from Ken. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. Yes. He has. He's ticked every box there, Ken. That's outstanding. Do you reckon he's taking a comment and run with it? Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But so, it's good. That just creates a bit great. of spice. It, it just, that's for his players. That's firing them up. That's what good coaching is, just yep. finding a little needle to get the very best out of your playing group. I see uh, – and, Bray, and as I said, Brayden Maynard, go for it. I love it. Yep. I love all of this stuff, right? Yep. But if, from a Collingwood perspective, that will be used as motivation. Now, does that sort of, Joey, question for you, does yep. that sort of motivation work? Because we've, we've heard stories of coaches putting articles from journalists yep. mm-hmm. up in the change rooms mm-hmm. to say, well, this is what they said. Yes. How are we going to respond? Yeah, absolutely. That's all part of just um, of being a good coach. It's not just giving out a game plan and telling players what to do. It's just finding little ways to just, as I said, 
motivate the players or give them a little barb or a little prick. It can be a one-liner. It can be a big story. Yeah. It can be using something else someone said. Anything to try and just light a little bit more mm. of the fire in the belly always helps. Mm. So Ken gets a three votes for that. I absolutely oh, yeah. love that. But he didn't stop there. He also <laughs> took another pot shot at Collingwood. But let's not get just, just get confused with Nick Dacos. You know, when you get two generational players in fathers and son, probably three at Collingwood, that's a gift that they've been given, and they're going to they're maximising it at the moment. For us, the challenge is to, to limit what they get. The collective is going to be more important than than one or two individuals. So the gifts. Oh, wow, <laughs> not bad. Not Ken. bad. Who's he talking about? Nick Dacos, of course, runaway favourite for the Brownlow Medal. His brother Josh, who's all Australian yeah. contender, and Darcy Moore is the best backman in the competition. <laughs> yes. Actually, he's pretty. Actually, he's pretty I'd good. T- <laughs> it's pretty handy. Not bad, father son arrangement <laughs> right there, is it? Oh, is that quaint or also discount rate with the Next Generation Academy? So that was round one of uh, the, the Fight Club uh, in the <laughs> AFL this week. Then it happened again, of course. Um, uh, St Kilda's. Uh, your great mate, the St Kilda captain, Nick Rewalt. Um, of course, uh, was well, he said, you've, we've got the audio, haven't we? Let's have a listen to what he said about St Kilda and criticism from Kane Corns mm. that the club had gone backwards this season. I can promise you now, the standards in that joint over the last however long have been subpar. Whack. Absolute whack from the great Nick Rewalt. The North Melbourne uh, standing coach, Brett Ratton, fired back. To be honest, like... <sighs> Yeah, Nick's been to mm, zero, really, at the footy club. The only time he came was for free physio. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> well, oh, I love this stuff. Good gear. <laughs> so good. good gear. It's just so good. How did you score it, uh, oh, Lemo? Look, he's not quite up there with Ken Hankley, but he's a close second. It's good gear from Rats. What do you think? Not quite as, not quite as feisty was it as Kenny Hinkley, but a good bit no. of banter. Good slapping out. What did you think? Uh, oh, was I it, thought it was fair it, from yep. Rat and Nick Rewald. He's a tight ass. So I thought it was 100%. <laughs> I thought he was 100% spot on. He would have gone for free physio. He probably stole the drinks from the Gatorade machine as well. And uh, I think Brett Ratton had every right. Now, we know you are also a Ross Lyon disciple along with Nick Raywalt, and I've been accused of being one of those um, uh, as well. But what do you just give us a quick uh, snapshot on the Saints? How are they travelling? They're going backwards, like Kane Corn says, uh, or are they going forwards? How have you rated the year? Well, I think what Nick was trying to say, and he can be strong in his language, but it was in regards to the win-loss might look the same as last year, but in regards to the environment around the footy club, the standards and the professionalism have all lifted. That, that's what he was he was trying to say from what it had been previously. It certainly wasn't um, uh, anything personal with Brett Ratton. I think he was even talking about further back before Brett Ratton. So I think his point was correct that there's been a lot of change and they've already made change. The high performance manager mm-hmm. has moved on. They've made changes to list management. They've mm-hmm. made changes to assistant coaching and they're going to make changes to the playing list to get some to get some um, more quality in there. So all those sorts of things, I think, was the gist of the conversation, which was pretty accurate. Do you go down there for free physio as well? <laughs> I don't, but I don't need physio. I don't run or exercise enough to get the physio treatment. But, <laughs> okay. but if I did, I probably would sneak in there. <laughs> okay. You were saying the other week you could go down there for a little sauna occasionally. Yeah, I know, the Danny Frawley Centre, the, the place next door, we get access to that. So I've been hitting the sauna a couple of times. Oh. So Definitely. how many games do you have to have played to get access to that? <laughs> no, any, any past player. Free access. Oh, any, pa- yes. any past player. So it's been a great initiative that Danny Frawley said. It's been good. If you play five games, you get the sauna membership. Yep. Oh, that's magnificent. Well done. Thank you. down there, Justin Kaczynski doing great things. Eh? We're going to talk about wild cards and finals revamp. That's got everyone sort of a bit of a bee in the bonnet. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But next, plenty happening in the F1 world. Dan Ricardo's back. Sergio Perez is crash- crashing out. We're going to get the latest from Greg Rust. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Oh, Rusty, is it not all happening in the world of <laughs> F1? Well, I tell you what, when Sergio Perez crashed on the first corner of the first lap last night, that was just about the most exciting thing that happened in the world of sport for, for me. It is drama. Of course, Dan Ricciardo is a massive story uh, at the moment. How did he go last night? I know you'd be leading the charge on this. Good morning to all of you. Um, So he's ended up 14th in practice session two, relative to his teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, who was fourth fastest, but they had a little bit of rain. You talked about Checo going off. I actually think one of the first people that drove past that off, which Checo says wasn't too bad, was actually Dan. Um, So he says he's about 95% there at the moment, shaking off a, a little bit of stuff. This car, as we talked about in last week's show, is different to the Red Bull, and I think he's moved to kind of keep expectations in check because of that. It's a tractor. They have had a positive start to the weekend. They've had a positive start there. You're allowed to call it a tractor. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it is it true that Red Bull are just kind of sacked the bloke who was in the in Nick, that car? Nick DeVries? Limo, they, they moved pretty quickly. So, so Christian Horner in the official F1 podcast this week talked about I think it was lap 11 of the uh, of the test, the tyre test that Dan Ricciardo did at Silverstone after the British Grand Prix. They called Nick and dropped the hammer. So it was Helmut Marco, who's one of the tough men of motorsport, who determines who goes where in the Red Bull family. They, they made that decision. They reckon Dan, at that test, by about lap seven, was doing times good enough to put him on the front row for that race. Mm. So um, obviously oh. Red Bull, very different to the Alpha Tower in that. Wow. We could chat F1 all day, especially with Jay-Z. But I need to ask you, Rusty, a bit of a double dose of supercar drivers next month with Shane Van Gisbergen heading back to NASCAR, along with my favourite, Brody Kostecki. <laughs> How good. So Brody's been leading the championship up until very recently. So... He's been working on this deal, they say, for about four months. He's going to be with one of the most famous outfits in Richard Childress Racing. He's got a bit of experience going back about a decade ago on the pathway, if you like, to to NASCAR, a couple of tiers down. And Shane, as we've spoken about on the show, did a ripping job in Chicago. So both of them are going to be taking part in the NASCAR race on the Indy Road course which runs through and around the, the famous, the iconic racetrack there at Indianapolis. That's happening August 11 to 13. All right, Rusty, we thank you for joining us. As always, all eyes on Dan Ricardo in Hungary uh, across the weekend. We'll catch you next Saturday, mate. Have a cracking weekend. See you, boys. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. We'll be cheering him, Dan Ricardo. That is for sure. Hey, I know there's is. been plenty of sport going on. We're chatting about everything. Yes. So it's been hard for some people to keep up to date with the Open, it the is. golfs at uh, Royal Liverpool, the British Open, of course, Limo. And just an update on the leaderboard. Of course, it will be the final rounds kicking off later this afternoon tonight. Brian Harmon, the American, is leading at 10 under. Now, I don't know if you guys have can picture Brian Harmon, the lefty, but I want you to Google him. He's mm-hmm. a dead ringer for Ricky mm. Ponting. Punter. <laughs> it's well known around that. He's a Ricky Ponting lookalike. So Brian Harmon leads by five shots, in fact. So he's got it. Well, it's his to lose, really. But we really? know what it be. Imagine leading a final oh. round of a major yeah. tournament, golf tournament. I'd go to water. Tommy Fleetwood, second. The uh, local, the Englishman, never won a major. So he's looking for his first major. He's been runner-up in the British Open before. He's at five under. And then a couple of Aussies, Jason Day and Minwoo Lee, are both tied for fourth at three under. So there's seven off the seven off the lead. They're going to have to have a good final round and hope that Brian. There's two Harman rounds just... to go, Joey. Two rounds. Oh, we got yeah. two to go. Yeah, two, rounds two rounds to in. Go. My apologies. Two rounds in. Plenty yeah, of sorry. time. Plenty yeah, of Saturday, time. Thursday, and wild weather coming too. Thursday, Friday. Oh. Yes, I did get it wrong. So two rounds to go. That's, That's right. right. They've had the cut now. And now a Victorian who missed the cut, Travis Smythe. He did get a hole in one though. If you could choose between the two, if you were going to only just make the cut or get a hole in one, you'd almost take the hole in one. I'd take the hole in one. And miss the cut? Take the hole in one and miss the cut? Yes. I you would. What do you want? Oh, no, you don't get paid if you miss the cut, do you? I know, no. but you've got so, a hole, you've got you a hole in one. <laughs> but yeah, I go. Good for the gram, I guess, the Instagram. Yeah. Mm. But if you make the cut, then scramble around for 90th. Mm. That's not uh, that, that exciting either. Hey, um, just quickly, wild card weekend. Did that get that whole suggestion? I don't think there's going to be a wild card weekend. I don't if like I, it. I think it's. I think we're going to be. I like it. I think we're inventing stuff that we don't need in the game. Yeah. And I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's We've always invented stuff in the game. It's evolved no, no, over hundred years. No, I get. Though. But I'm happy to invent stuff that we need in the game that helps the game. <laughs> but I, this doesn't. This doesn't help. This is like. You're just making – it's just another week of finals, yes. basically. Yeah. I, I finals think, are pretty good. It's better than an extra preseason. How game. can you finish – I don't get how you can finish in the bottom half mm. and then you get to play finals. Mm. You're in the worst 50% of the teams mm. – yeah, all right, you can play finals. <laughs> Gold Coast could look forward to a top 10 berth, <laughs> I guess. I tell you, it's not going to get up anyway because it's going to the, – the the CEOs at the club conference or the AFL conference down there in Werribee, uh, man, she would have been a nice little dinner down there, you know, mm. a little – uh, Crack out a few nice bottles of red, oh, you reckon? Yeah, would not. What was the number one topic of discussion down there? Um, Soft cap? Soft cap. It's f- probably more so the fixture revamp was the most – Sexy thing. Tasmania was discussed. Soft cap is so. How do they think? Course. What are they thinking yep. long term with nineteen teams? How are they thinking the fixture is going to look? Yes, that's a great question. I think more prior of more primary focus is going to a seventeen uh, six format before Tassie gets in. So potentially in a couple of years, where you would play everyone once. So you play seventeen games, mm. and then that is completely fair and even, isn't that yep. Lamo? Yep. You then split the ladder into three pools or conferences. Right. 
top six, middle six, bottom six. That this I like. We'll yes. go next this step. In- what happens though when the top six play each other? Well, the top six, well, they fight for top six spots and top four, so your home finals. Mm-hmm. So high stakes there. So you, you can't drop out of the top six once after 17 rounds. That That's the theory. Correct. That's, that's, You're okay with that? That's I'm the okay with that because you've played each other once, once. fairly to Ooh. determine what the top six is. So after 17 rounds, the bottom six teams can't play finals. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Mm, interesting. <laughs> the middle six would then fight for um, top eight berths. So that's lots on the line there. And the bottom six, that's a problem because they just sort of <laughs> spin around on the merry-go-round. That becomes, becomes like the uh, – yeah, okay, that is an issue. The bottom six needs something to yes. play for. But at least they all play – As opposed to tanking for a Yes. Now, that's why they should be pick. playing to win. Those two bottom six teams should be playing to win to get picks and or like a ladder. The other way, you oh, almost reverse go, it. Okay, so, you, so whoever, have, whoever wins the, the round robin pick. gets number one pick or gets more balls in the in the, in the, the lottery, lottery or yeah. something like yeah. that, yeah. Because otherwise, those bottom six teams would be like a watching like oh, a Russian tennis match, Russian Matt. tennis match. They'll <laughs> try to try the hardest. Mad, mad Monday in July. Oh. <laughs> bottom six. At least those yeah. games would be even because at the moment, I mean, you look at Essendon's run home. We mentioned it before. They have got North Melbourne and West Coast uh, on the run home, so it does. Yeah, you know, take out some of the equity or fairness in the fixture. Uh, anyway, they wouldn't have been drinking Pepper Jack, that's for sure, uh, down there. <laughs> the oh, the no. club CEOs like we probably were this week. All right, nice um, uh, little wrap-up there. In the second hour, we've got lots coming up, so I'm a black to Brisbane champion. Speak to him. The Cats take on the Lions. Miracle on grass, who could forget? And also Cal Ferguson. Ashes, the Australians are under pressure in the Ashes. We need some precipitation. Lots to get through in the second hour. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Sport is full of legends. And so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. On Melbourne's 105.1, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. We love having a chat about all things sport and some other stuff on a Saturday morning. How did your roast go with John Cleese this week, Lemo? It was fantastic. Crown Palladium Wednesday night. Uh, a bunch of there were eight of us who roasted John Cleese, including Lawrence Mooney, Tom Gleeson, myself, Shane Jacobson, Steve Vizard, a few others, and uh, it was really fun. But I met John Cleese backstage right before we're about to walk on mm. and be introduced, and he was walking around, and I said, "Oh, hello, John. My name's Lemo. I'm one of the roasters tonight." And he looks at me and he goes, one for 15. Kawaja. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's a cricket fan. I like it. Oh, I like that. Does that make you a bit nervous once you sort of met him? You had all your scripts ready to go and then you had to meet him face to face? Yeah. And then, but he was, he was such a good sport and we tore into him too. Piled him. Piled into him, you know, but he, but he laughed along. He laughed. I even said one point, I said, you got, I said you got me through lockdown, Mr. Cleese, because <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of your later movies, which was great because I had COVID and lost my sense of taste. Oh. <laughs> 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 he, la- he laughed a lot. He was fantastic. And it's going to be uh, cut up for broadcast on Channel 7 at, uh, at some later yeah, date. Yeah, cool. Where does he sit in the sort of the legends of oh, com- comedians? He's right, he, up yeah. he's right yeah. at the top. Yeah. He's right up there. Not many people have made... The, the quantity of uh, incredible work that he has. He's, yeah, he's right near the top. Superstar and just loved him. He was fantastic. Ricky J. Vayas, for me, is the second behind you, Lemo. Now, whenever Geelong and Brisbane collide, we think back to this game, the Miracle on Grass 2013. Come back from 54, 52 points to clinch a miracle win for the Lions. Let's take a listen. Ash McGrath comes in. It's on its way. It's there. The Miracle on Grass. The How good is that? Anthony Hudson, is that right, Joey? That's yes, Anthony Hudson. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Hutto's called some of the best moments yeah. in yeah. AFL over the last 20 years. And he's years. a cat supporter as well, by the way, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good effort. Yeah. He put that to the side. Now, the man who I think started that play, the Brisbane superstar, so silky in that midfield. His name is Simon Black. We know him so well on Triple M footy, of course. He'll be calling the Cats-Lions clash today. As we say, a big good morning to you, Blackie. How are you? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, boys. Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. How are you guys? We are well. What do you still get the a bit of a tingle when you listen to that audio? Do you have an emotional reaction? You must have such vivid memories. Yeah, it was an amazing night, Jay. That's for sure. Ash McGrath's 200. The ball ended up in his hands with um, maybe three seconds to go, well, if that. And um, 
and the big fella went back from about 53 metres and nailed it. And, and as soon as he got the ball in his hands, I thought, oh, he's a, he's a beautiful kick. He's a good chance here. And it's amazing in a game of footy, as you said, 52 points down. We just got this groundswell of momentum that just continued to build. And it was we could feel it and sense it. But, you know, we were so far behind, we just didn't think it was possible. And um, I was amazed. I mean, we talk about it a lot. All the Geelong supporters are like, oh, that's all you've got. You're an ordinary side back then. You keep talking about it. But uh, <laughs> it was a special night, for sure. Well, you talk about round 13, 2013. So I just had a look. So Simon Black, the veteran, led them to victory, really. 33 disposals, 20 contested possessions. Ooh. He polled three Brownlow votes. And then, Blackie, you played two more games for the rest of your career. Well, that was right at the back end. So that must be uh, something that you remember. What happened there at the end of the career? Yeah, I did, Joey. Not many games after that. I, I, I just started getting on crooked knee um, and, and for no reason. I actually had a, the OP groin issue and missed seven weeks. And I, and I came back um, doing some light running. And all of a sudden, my, my left knee started blowing up for no reason. So, um, well, for a reason. But, yeah, so unfortunately, <laughs> towards the back end of the career, I was 34. But, yeah, really, really, really super special night, obviously. And, the two, um, you know, yeah, as I said, Ash McGrath, Toronto's game was one of the, the most, besides the grand final, probably the most memorable game I was ever part of, for sure. Hey, Blakey, let's forget about Ash McGrath's turn of the game. You're being modest here. Not only so, Joey's giving you the stats. This was also the night that you broke the club game's record. Wasn't it? Oh, the it was, same night? Yeah. yeah, that's right. It was too, yeah. Oh, man. that's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was extra night, extra special night. Um, yeah, look, what do I say? It was, no, it was a great night, boys. It was awesome. We didn't have 20 wins back then. So oh, it was fantastic. Extra, extra we, you never forget how good Simon Black was, Joey, because speaking to the great Scott Pendlebury, I know when he was growing up, you ask him, where did you, you know, who did you watch? And he said, I used to watch Simon Black play and be so cool and composed through the clinches. So, you know, when Scotty Penderbury's saying that um, he modelled his game on yours, Blackie, uh, you are doing well. But we need to skip forward to this game this afternoon, and it is a massive one, high stakes. The Lions trying to hang on to a top four, four berth. The Cats trying to uh, crash in. How you see this one going? Is there a bit of pressure building up there in the Lions and Chris Fagan's men after the choke last week against Melbourne? Yeah, absolutely, Jay. I mean, goodness me, we're, we're six weeks out now, aren't we? So every game becomes more critical. And, and, that, and that loss from the Lions last Friday down there, um, oh, gee whiz, that, that stings, that, that hurts a lot. And, um, you know, they're now two wins from Port Adelaide. They had great opportunities to get within one game last week if they'd won it, and they didn't. So, look, the pressure now, so I've almost got a feeling for Brisbane with their away record that they need to finish top two. And, you know, they've, yes. they've got to, you know, they're going to have to, pinch the Collingwood game at Marvel in a, in a couple of few weeks when they play there for mine and they need a few things go their way. Obviously, the Pies and Port play this weekend, today. Um, massive game. You know, it looks like Geelong, as you guys well know, are starting to get their act together at the back end of the year and, and, and Brisbane at home are strong. But, yeah, let's see if the confidence got knocked about a little bit from last weekend because those sort of losses really, really can do some damage mentally. So this is their fifth year now, Blackie, really contending. Yeah, you go back to 2019, the first year they finished top four. They haven't made a grand final yet. Does it start to reckon play sort of mind games with the group internally and with the coach, Chris Fagan, the pressure continues to build the, the longer they're in contention without making a grand final? It does, Joey. I mean, as you well know, like the journey that Fags has taken them on from a really non-competitive team years ago to have been a, been a really good side the last um, three or four years, that, that gap to being a great side is it, a significant gap. And that, yeah. that's still, the, the evidence isn't there that, that Fags has been able to achieve that yet. So, you know, he's going to be judged, um, you know, in, in time to come on, on can he fill this gap? Can he can he bridge that gap to being a really great side and win in the big stage down south? So, yeah, there's there's something missing, and the pressure the pressure is building. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, some of the Lions fans are getting a bit disgruntled. Um, they all love Fakes. He's uh, such a likable guy, but you know, he's got to have obviously a bit of that that killer instinct and, and drag extract every little bit of that out of this group to, to, to bridge that gap. And and that's you know, time's going to tell. But it'll be a full house at the Gabatoire today, Blackie. What? How much will Brisbane win by? Mm. <laughs> oh, look, I think it'll be close. Yeah, I think the Cats, you know, they're getting their, their game in order, aren't they? They're looking fantastic again. What about uh, Tommy Hawkins' goal-kicking last week? That was an absolute treat to watch mm-hmm. um, against against the Bombers. But, look, um, I'll, I'll, back, I'll back the Lions by, say, three goals at home. Uh, very good. I think the Cats got a good record against the Lions, 2-1. Four out of their past five uh, over Brisbane. Just quickly, Blackie, so, uh, Stevie Johnson, the great Stevie Johnson, told a story this week. He said his first game was against Brisbane. Guess who he lined up on first? It was Chris Scott. Guess what the first thing Chris Scott said to Steve Johnson on the field was? <laughs> 
He, he, he said, Steve, you go, this is his first game, Steve Johnson. If you go anywhere near the ball today, I'm going to kill you. That is the first thing he said to Steve Johnson. Was Chris Scott really that angry back in the day on the field? Oh, he was nasty. Was that, was, that was common. They all used to do that. Martin Pike, Jamie Charman, Vossi. Blackie was yeah. the only nice guy for the Brisbane Lions. Him and Lukey oh. Power were the only nice guys. The rest of them were all nasty. Maniacs. Is that right, yeah. We, yeah, we had some nasty buggers, that's for sure. I, mean, we, I was a bit timid that until I was able to play on their side, not against them all, actually. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they were good, Scotty. When I was 18, t- first year at the club, I reckon... I reckon more weekends than not, he'd turn up on a Monday morning with a black eye after being in a fight at a pub on a Saturday. This is, of course, the dual premiership coach, Chris Scott. Good morning to you, Chris. Simon, but you've been outstanding. Um, and have a great call today, Geelong versus Brisbane, of course, on Triple M footy. Good on you boys. Love the chat. Thanks, Blackie. Really good point he made there about going from being a really good team to a great team. Like, yep. it is another yeah. step. We just presume, because you're around the mark, that you're thereabouts. But there's another level you have to go to. We forget about how many teams are a prelim team and, and are around the mark but don't ever win a premiership. Yep. So it is another step they've got to get to. Another level is what we're waiting to see with the Lions. It must be so in their heads, though. I think of that. You know the Doe Four Falls of Buffalo? Have you seen that no, documentary? No. about They made the Super Bowl four years in a row and lost four years oh, in a row. Whoa. Yeah, I'm just the, the blinds. The, come on, get over the line, boys. Get to a grand final. <laughs> that would keep you up at night. Four straight grand final defeats. All right, Lemo, we're going to have more of your good work next coming up on the top five. On Triple M's Dead Set Legends, it's Lemo's top five. Commonwealth Games yeah. Moments. Yes, that's right. The Commonwealth Games canned this week by the Andrews government. Bombshell. How did, what was your immediate reaction, Joey, when you heard it was canned? I didn't bother me at all. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? No, you did can't. anyone else think hey, the same? How you feel is how you feel. I mean, I'm like, really, I, when we initially agreed to take it on, I was like, Ugh. yeah. I just wasn't excited by it at all. Some things, sometimes you have to just save a bit of money. No, something. I was stated for our athletes oh, have trained forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm sad for the athletes, but yeah, no, I definitely feel for the athletes. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah I, I wasn't devoted either. But anyway, I'm jumping into the top five <laughs> Commonwealth Games moments of all time. Oh, of all time, I've got a favourite. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Just you keep your powder dry there, Jay Z. Uh, coming in at number five. We're going to Victoria, Canada, Mm -hmm. the 1994 Commonwealth Games when someone announced themselves as an absolute superstar. She won gold in the 400 metres and she won gold in the 200. Bonjali's pretty strong with 50 metres to go. Kathy's coming at her. She's flying home, Freeman, and she gets up for gold for Australia. That's uh, gold in the 200. 21-year-old Kathy Freeman there, gold in the 200 and the 400. Coming in at number four... Uh, a 15-year-old, Ian Thorpe. Ooh. Can you remember this? In 1998 in wow. Kuala Lumpur, 15. he won four gold medals. Four gold medals and announced himself at the Commonwealth Games in 1998. That was the last time as well cricket was played. Oh, yeah. At the, <laughs> <laughs> Memorable tournament. At the Commonwealth <laughs> Games. I have it on good authority that there was one of the games where all the players didn't even go down to the ground because from their hotel room they could see the ground. Yeah. So they wanted to wait for the toss to see whether we were batting or bowling, and they worked out some sort of signalling system from the ground because if we were batting, the bowlers were going to stay in the hotel for an extra hour (laughs) before they went down. They were taking it very seriously. Uh, Coming in at number three, just uh, just the presence of lawn bowls. Mm. Isn't it great to watch lawn bowls? And can you remember on the Gold Coast, Aaron Disco Wilson – uh, he won gold and ripped his shirt off and did a victory lap. Here's how the commentators saw it. He's in the area. He's got the jack. And it's off. Now, where will it go? Where is the respot? It's all over. The caps are off. Well, there's not much can be said, Shuri. The Aussie got out of the traps really quickly from the first end, and Gary Kelly had no answer. A very one-sided final. But sometimes that happens. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> These are the memorable moments we're going to miss. These are the memorable moments we are not going to see Joey, live. These are the best I could find. <laughs> okay, coming in at number two, Robert De Costello winning the marathon yes. in Brisbane. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. He was down by a minute with 30 kilometres to go. Uh, two runners from Tanzania in front of him. He hunted them down, and there's great vision when he gets next to one of them. The bloke looks up at him like, 
hang on, mm. where'd you come from, yes. mate? And then there were four lead changes at the end, and he went on to win. Spectators poured down to the track to watch, or the road, to watch that game. And he had a little accident in that marathon as well. Did Rob he? Rob Costello, yes. As one marathon, or two. Number one or two. Two. Oh, did he? As marathon runners often do. Oh. He got, you know, the sponges they get. Oh. Yeah. He had this, he was running, no. and he had this, and he was rubbing the sponges oh, against the backs of his legs. And the commentators said, Oh, he must be cooling down his hamstrings with the sponges. But no, he was just tidying himself up for the broadcast. And uh, coming in at number one, where, oh, no, actually, well, let's listen to Rob DeCostello having a win. But DeCostello has shown us all today that if he's not the best, he's mighty at the same time. This has been a performance to remember for all time. Go, Dick. Yes, he's won it. He's done about 209.16, just about a minute slower than uh, his time at Fukuoka. That is a pretty sharp time too, two oh nine. And uh, but I'll hand over to Jay Z to announce mm-hmm. the greatest ever Commonwealth Games moment. Karen McCann coming into the MCG <laughs> for the two thousand six Commonwealth Games Commonwealth Games gold medal. Mm, that was on our first show this year. You announced that. Let's have let's have a listen to the commentators calling it. This is something to savor, something to remember for the rest of your life. For everybody here on their feet. Applauding Karen McCann, Helen Sharona, what a battle. But Karen McCann defends her title and goes back to back and wins the goal. I think Jay Z described as one of those moments you remember where you were. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> where were you when you where were you when that happened? Well, I remember going to the Ed Sheeran concert the night before that show and we were dancing in the aisles um, till all hours. So um, I was very passionate and enthused about it, and how could you forget? You said you said to us on yes. this show that mm. was the greatest MCG moment. Yes, the greatest was, MCG he didn't moment. Have Shane Warne's hat trick or Shane Warne's seven hundredth wicket? Yes, that I didn't did. make it. Fifty six did. Olympics didn't make it. I at didn't all. make it. Leo Barry's mark, you star. That no. didn't make it. Um, Dom Sheed's goal. <laughs> Dom Sheed's goal didn't make it. I had all that in. This was just a little curveball at the end to <laughs> refer back to. Anyway, Jay Z's going to have a minute silence for the Com Games. Later. Later in the show. <laughs> right, very good from you, Lemo. Right, the Aussies are right under the pump against the Poms and the Ashes. We're going to speak to Kel Ferguson next on Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Sport is full of legends, and so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan, and Lemo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Lemo. On Melbourne's 105.1, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Wowee, the fourth test. It is looking like a real struggle for the Australians. And we have on the line the South Australian batting extraordinaire. His name is Cal Ferguson, doing an incredible job for Channel 9 too. Good morning to you, Cal. Thanks for having me, guys. And I hope you've got your dancing boots on. It's it's time for the rain dance. We've got to get it going. <laughs> we just need the heavens to, to open and to open hard. We need 48 hours of absolute rain. But you know what the big story of this Australian uh, performance in this four tests is, Cal, is Pat Cummins and some of these bowling tactics. Now, the whole nation feels frustrated with this constant short-pitch barrage with the Pommies are just put into the fence. Have we got it horribly wrong, Cal? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, and look, to be honest, I think we've just stuck to our plans and been a bit too one-dimensional for too long at times. And and it's not just to the tail-enders. It's, it's across the board. Um, and it's easy to just look at um, certain situations where the lower order's gotten away because we've banged it in and they've hit it over the fence. I, I feel like, you know, when we've been hit a couple of times from a good length and a good area... Um, feels like we've blinked a little bit quicker than we have in the past. Mm. And perhaps that's just the um, the aggressive nature of baseball that's um, making us think differently about what we normally do. You know, obviously we started the series with three out in the fence and, and everyone sort of thought, well, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, this is different. Um, well, I wonder whether we're ju- we've just been rattled a little bit at times when we needed to just be a bit more hard-nosed when when Crawley's created some opportunities, nicking them past the stumps or, or just wide of slip, um, we, we've needed to just hang in there once he's actually hit a couple because he's going to. He's a test cricketer, right? So I feel like once that's um, once we've blinked there, we've gone short, and then when that hasn't worked, there's no plan C. It just mm. it feels like we've been one-dimensional and, and perhaps we've just been caught on the run a few times and, and exposed. 
But we look, Cal, we look completely impotent. Well, we look like we're not, we look like we couldn't beat a county team at the moment. <laughs> and Jim Maxwell said, called the tactics predictable and stupid. And Jim Maxwell's watched a lot of cricket. Mm-hmm. It's the highest mm. score by England in England against Australia since 1984. Wow. I, none of the current mm. team, 1985, sorry, none of the current team were even born <laughs> then. It's just, it's so frustrating watching it. And we is it Nathan Lyon? Is that the key factor? Is that the player we're missing? It, it, it's making an enormous difference. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's just so reliable. And, and, and it, it is concerned, concerning at times that maybe we don't under, uh, understand just how great a commodity Nathan is. Um, because it doesn't matter um, what format it is. He always finds a way to compete and, and finds a way to build pressure, whether it be... Uh, either of the white ball formats or test which uh, test cricket, which he, he mainly dominates. But, um, yeah, no doubt it's made a huge difference. I feel like we've been caught out a little bit with our selections as well. I'm not necessarily saying that we should have played a spinner, but I was a bit concerned with the two all-rounders in the lineup. Yeah. Um, it just felt like it was a bit of a, a bet each way. And I feel like we've been a bit mm. like that with our bowling tactics at times, you know, sticking with plans for a long time when it, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the times when Ben Stokes has got on top of us and we've kept banging it into the wicket halfway down at his belly button when he's, he's pillaging us over the leg side and, and we're crying out in the commentary box or in the studio in, in here in Sydney with channel nine, you know, change it up, bowl wide because when you're bowling the same thing over and over again with only the very odd different ball, batters can set up and just wait and expect a certain delivery. And if they get it, they're just looking to maximise damage. And that's what Stokes and, you know, Bearstow even yesterday, you know, we, we've got to throw some different deliveries at them so that we slow down their decision-making process. If you think it's only one of two different deliveries, that's going to make your life a lot easier. If you've got three different ones, you know, a wide Yorker, you know, a bouncer or a, a straight Yorker, hard length at the at the bales. If you're not sure what's coming, it makes it a lot harder as a batter. And I feel like uh, Jim's right, Jim Maxwell. You know, we are being a bit predictable, and we've heard a lot of the commentators say just that. We're chatting to Cal Ferguson. So we set it up, Cal. We're four for 113 in our second dig. We still trail by 162 runs. I know it's looking grim. My first question is, do the cricketers seriously want it to rain and hope that it's a draw? Or does the, the competitiveness in them go, no, no, we want the we want no rain and we want to try and go out and see if we can make another 300 and have a crack? What's actually the mindset of a professional cricketer in this situation? Yeah, it's, it's a good question because everything within your bones as a, um, as a supporter and, and um, you know, a watcher of the game would think, you know, they're praying for praying for rain. Yeah, we want the rain. Yeah, look, but what about the players? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, you know, the guys within that dressing room, the individuals in particular, Manus Labashain has has chronically been getting out between 25 and, and 50. And he is a guy that has, you know, all of these guys have an enormous amount of pride in their, in their performance. We saw Mitchell Marsh blaze one of the great yeah. Ashes hundreds, one of the great test hundreds full stop in the last test match. He's at the crease. Manus Averages over 50 in test cricket. If those two get going with Cameron Green and Alex Carey, you never know. Yep. And the wicket's been playing okay. Um, I think the safe, safer option for everyone would be let's retain the ashes and just watch it tip down for two days. How good would that be? <laughs> but certainly um, the competitive nature of an Australian cricket team, let alone the individuals within that, they won't be thinking about what if it rains. They'll be thinking about how do we get back on top of this um, bowling attack like Bearstow did, and drag ourselves out of the mire and give them 150 to chase. Well, uh, the paceman, Australian paceman, Josh Hazelwood, says overnight on the ESPN Crick Info website, I'd be very pleased if it absolutely belted down for the next <laughs> two days. So. Are you really? Absolutely. I'm not sure he's keen to face Mark Wood whizzing around his ears. <laughs> he has got the cards already out, Josh Hazelwood. Before we That's let it. you go, Cal, let me thank you for your time. Dave Warner going to be a massive story. So 28-32, yeah, it looked okay again. Australians getting stuck but not capitalising. Is there any doubt in your mind whether the test selectors will go with him in the fifth test? Does Dave Warner play in the next test, which could be a decider? Yeah, you can put down your glasses. He'll play. Yep. And, and it's, to be honest, um, look, I, th- I don't think it's really up for debate now. Like, I, the, the series is on the line. I yep. think Ian Healy said the other night on Channel 9, you know, if, if he can get some runs in this test, you know, he's a senior player. Send him out there to win the Ashes for Australia. And, and I like that attitude. I think, to be honest, he's looked as, as 
comfortable and as solid and determined at the crease in this test match as he has in the last few years. And he, and he looked like he was going to make runs again. First false shot he was out last night. Look, I, I, I think he definitely plays. There you go. Yep. All right, let's stay positive. Amanis yep. Labashane, triple century. That's what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. And then we win the test. That's it. Yeah. We waltz it in. Yes. <laughs> Normally, we pray for clear skies tonight. We are hoping for heavens <laughs> to absolutely open. Cal Ferguson, you've been the star of the Ashes, that's for sure, on Channel 9. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Get on, you guys. Get the dancing boots on. Yeah, see, Aussie's trailing by 162 runs at stumps on day three. So four for 113. We will resume with Marnus Lubbershane, 44 not out, and uh, Mitch Marsh, one not out as well. Right, that's the cricket. We're going to turn our attention to footy next. Yeah, fantastic round 19 of the AFL season. Super Saturday, they are calling it. And coming up first, of course, the Saturday rub. They're going to throw to the Richmond versus Hawthorne game, Shea Bolton. Looking like one of the best players in the competition. He's tag, back in Finn form. Ma- tag Finn McGuinness, oh, you reckon, Lemo? Would Finn McGuinness go to Shea Bolton? Uh, yes. Is it a danger game for Tigers? It is a danger game for the Tigers. The Hawks are. <laughs> I tell you, the Hawks are playing some good footy. <laughs> when Sicily's back. Oh, yeah. Sis is back. We're a 50% better team with James Sicily in. <laughs> I'd be nervous yeah. if I was a Tiger. He's due for another suspension, though, James Sicily. <laughs> That's never far away. Give him some content. Some MRO news, of course. Now we love you, James Sicily. Big fan of the show. Hey, game of the season uh, tonight. Night. Collingwood versus Port Adelaide over there at Adelaide Oval. The joint will be full. They'll be singing Never Tear Us Apart. And there's going to be some spice and some feeling after this barb from Port Adelaide's coach Ken Hinckley about uh, Braden Maynard's comments uh, this week. We're playing the best team in the competition by their admission. They are the best team in the competition. They've, they've said that themselves publicly. Um, you know, July's a good time to be ranked one. They're very clear on their description of themselves, Collingwood, and they, they rightly own that description. Oh, we wish them all the best. We just hope we beat them. How good is it going to be? I like it a lot. Who Do wins, Joey? Take us inside oh, this It's going to be a close game. It's yep. going to be a, a great game of footy. I think Port Adelaide at home with some key players back, they, they would be expecting to win, but Collingwood are the best team in the competition. Um, I can't wait to see how they match up. You've got to remember... As much as Collingwood are flying, they haven't played Brisbane, Geelong, Port Adelaide since the first three rounds of the year. We have to go back to the start Mm. of the year when they played those three teams to start the season. And the other team is that we talk about the big five was Melbourne, and they got beaten by Melbourne. So this is their real first challenge against the top five, the contenders, what we're calling them, that we've seen, you know, going a long way back. So I'm fascinated to see how the pies stack up. They play a great brand of footy, and they'll be ready for the challenge. It's a shame, Port got beaten last week because it would have been that sort of great undefeated run for the two of them. Yep. But do you reckon that might fire Port up a little well, bit? Well, I think sometimes, yeah, you do. You, you get a little um, spike after a poor performance. They'd review it. But you then when you lose, you start reviewing just the little things, so the effort and the mm. tackle pressure and the, the things that maybe you take for granted when you're winning because you are doing those things. So I expect this to be a high-pressure game. It'll be full-on. Port Adelaide will want it to play in their forward half. That's their game. Mm. Front half, lock it in, force pressure. But Collingwood... They are a counter-attack team. They win the ball from halfback. Wooshka, mm. the Dacos boys and Crisp and Quainor and everyone else and Mark Hovind, et cetera, they're all off and racing. So let's see if Port Adelaide can hold up. That noise you just heard, that was Anthony Lemon. He threw his pen. That's the effect. You mentioned Nick Dacos. That's the effect he has on people. He just, he just, he, he rattles me. He gets in my head. <laughs> so will they go the, will we see a hard tag on Nick Dacos and the Brownlow medal favourite, the second year sensation tonight? I don't right? think so tonight. I think they'll put some work in him around stoppage. I'd expect like a Will and Drew or one of the others to just try and nullify him at stoppage. I don't think they will tag him yet. I think if I'm Ken Ickley, I'd just keep a little bit of powder dry. For a final, whether it's a semi for prelim, grand final, I would just keep it dry and then go all out in a big final. But just keep a little bit under your hat today. Keeping cards close to your chest. Uh, congratulations to Taylor Adams, who plays his 200th uh, game uh, tonight. Uh, was in the engine room. Move forward, Joey. Good article by you in the Herald Sun today, Jay-Z. You see how I did that, Lemo? The selfless <laughs> role of playing as a half forward. He's been super important and loving the way he's going about it. There we go. Parking the ego. Yep. Uh, you'll catch that on page 80 of the Herald Sun. Jay Clark. <laughs> Magnificent work. Award-winning work. And speaking of, have you not... Were you not on the front page of the, Austra- the Australian newspaper yesterday? I, well, Is that right? In a roundabout kind of way. Jim, Jim Chalmers was being mocked 
on the front page by the journalist, and the headline was mm. they called him Utopia Jim. Yes, which is my character is Jim in Utopia. And still, I'm an I'm an annoying faceless man. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and William Chalmers has copped it. And with um, the Commonwealth Games um, decision to scrap, of course, yes, you've, you've got you've got content for the next nine years loaded up, haven't you? Oh, you can do oh, Utopia my, forever. <laughs> the Com Games. My character Jim would not axe the Commonwealth Games. He would go bugger the blowout. We're going ahead. Brisbane versus Geelong, uh, Joey. Huge test for the huge test for both sides. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, we spoke to Simon Black earlier. Look, I think it's a bit of a danger game for. Brisbane, I mm. really do. I know they don't lose at home. They should be winning. I've just got this feeling the Cats mm. might make a statement today. I think Ooh. they might be just, they've got their best premiership defence settled and playing together for a few weeks. Dangerfield and Atkins have got that brutality around the footy. Their forward line is all humming. Jeremy Cameron's still got another level to go to. Danger game. This will tell us a lot. Are Geelong really that close? If they mm-hmm. get beaten comprehensively, okay, we say it's going to be hard. If they challenge Brisbane and beat them away from home, Boy, there'll be some uh, questions on Brisbane yep. and some teams fearing the Cats coming. And no Sava Ratagalia in that Geelong backline. It does really feel like that Cats back six is settled without him. I suspect we'll be talking about him in the trade period, which is just around the corner. Port Adelaide, very keen. Right, fantastic wrap-up of uh, the games. We're going to finish, uh, of course, the show with our favourite segment. It's Give Me a Spell. The Dead Set Legends. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. Joey, you seem particularly fired up about something. I see. Not often do I see steam come out of your ears, <laughs> but you, I just see a little bit of steam. What's that about? Well, I might give me a spell. Is to those that complain that we didn't get told about Sam Kerr's injury yes. before the tournament. Like seriously, this isn't a celebrity game. Oh. This was a World <laughs> Cup match. Yes. Couldn't agree. That they absolutely had to keep it in house so that the Irish couldn't prepare for the best player in the world yep. to try and win a World Cup match. And some journo. Are complaining? Oh, well, they should have let us know. Give us a spell. <laughs> You're really, and credit to the Australian team to keep it in house too. Bloody keep yeah. it real tight. Yeah. That shows a nice little um, bond going between everyone in the Matildas camp. But so what, what, do, what? But give me a spell. What should difference have let does it make to the journalists if they find out? Oh, An hour before. Exactly. Oh, they've, oh, t- yeah. oh, they've oh, treated us with disdain for not telling us that Sam Kerr is not going to play. Please, I'm, we've got a World <laughs> Cup game to win. I'm a big defender of the media all the time, yeah. but we missed the story. Yes. That's what happened. Exactly. We just yeah. missed the scoop. The best player in the world has, has got ice on the hamstring 48 hours out or whatever. Like, anyone, all anyone had to do was see her walk. She's yes. still limping now. So all anyone had to do was just see her walk and they yeah. would have known she was carrying an injury, but no, they weren't good enough to find it. <laughs> she arrived on crutches and yeah. they had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Lee, mate? Still didn't see it. Yep. I'm going to go uh, this guy who's leading the Tour de France, yes. Jonas Vingegaard. Yep. Is that how you say his name? Vingegaard, yeah. He looks like winning by 10 minutes. It's a lot. That will be the biggest margin since 1997. Wow. Geo, how did he get so far ahead of the 1997. <laughs> oh, what's he up to? <laughs> he must be training extra hard, Jonas. Because I don't, imagine, better, I don't imagine there's anything sus going on there. <laughs> Give me a spell, Jonas. You are up to no good, mate. You are up to no good. You think he just should have gone deliberately a little bit slower just so <laughs> not to race? Pump the brakes, brother. It is too obvious. Look a little bit Seriously. more tired. You reckon his doctor's going, whoa, 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 whoa. Back off, brother. <laughs> we want to keep it to single minutes. Single figure minutes, you lead. Uh, mine's a cycling theme as well. Give me a, mm. a spell, Lamo. All the losers who keep um, jumping in front of the cyclists, oh. getting in the way, causing all these crashes with their self. Selfies and their flags and um, all that sort of stuff. I, I, like the the, I like the freedom of the French. That's yes. something oh. that appeals to me. But these poor blokes have been training yes. their whole lives. Yep. And just because someone wants a shit selfie, they end up on the deck, <laughs> skin off the knee. It would be a good selfie, actually. <laughs> if, if you're just come, there, there comes the peloton and you're just quickly in front and get the peloton back. But it's shot. probably someone with 10 followers. It's going to end up with nine likes. Joey, <laughs> 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 we're trying to go with the opposite sort of thing. Get out of the way. Joey's like, actually, if you could get one for me, that would be great. good. If you're on the hill, you're in front, and then the pellets are just right behind. But, yes, that might be the only thing that stops Vinegar from winning it. Oh, can, can, I, can I throw in one more? The new, the extra playoff round or whatever they're calling it in the AFL. Yeah, the Essentially, they're saying it's a top ten. Yeah. What an absolute waste of everyone's time and energy. At 24 rounds, not enough. Is that not enough time to determine who the best eight teams are? Do we need a 25th round? You're a real traditionalist, aren't you? Oh, yeah. my God. It's just... Know. 
It's. Re- I agree with Mick Malthouse. It's rewarding mediocrity. Right. Should we go back to the? I, don't, I can tell. I can tell <laughs> the Joey. I can tell the Joey disagrees <laughs> with me. Be a progressive, He's shaking his head mate. at me. Be a progressive. It'd be great uh, for the competition. What are your thoughts on the drop kick or something? <laughs> 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 Lace up jumpers. Oh, you've been fantastic as well. Hey, Joey, you got a positive for us? We do. Your dead set legend. Triple M's dead set legend of the week. Four and 20. We've been there for it all. Australia's original fan food. Mate, you are a legend. Sticking to the Women's World Cup theme, how can we go past Steph Catley kicking the goal mm. in the opener against the Irish? Let's take a listen. Takes a big breath. <clears throat> Steph Catley steps up and puts it home for Australia. The Matildas have scored their first penalty in the 90 minutes of play in their World Cup history. Memories of John Aloisi all those years ago. Similar Mm. celebration, too, where she charged off and the whole team chased her and got a soft spot for Steph. She's a mad Saints supporter, too. So Mm. grew up in Moorabbin, big Saints supporter. So well done, Steph. Nice. It was a perfect penalty. Top corner of the net. Drilled it. Opposite side to where the keeper, Jay, was magnificent. Not a lot of wiggle room, um, must be said. Like, it was right in the... She backed herself in. in. the corner. And the celebration was great. Right. Mm. Thanks so much for joining us on Triple M's Dead Set Legends today. What a magnificent celebration coming up next, of course, from midday, JB, Bernie Vince. Billy Brownless, Damien Barrett, guest Ed Richards and the Bulldogs, Jaden Short and the Tigers, they'll be joining the boys. We'll catch you next week on Triple M's Dead Set Legends. That's it for this week's edition of Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Brought to you by Sportsbet. Follow your multi the easy way with Sportsbet's AFL Sangay Multi Tracker. Only with Sportsbet. Download the Sportsbet app today. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. These legends will be back next week. It's like a Del Santo Montana one, so back in the day. <laughs>